Hello and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. This is Ashley, Senior Editor of Overland Journal and Expedition Portal. And I'm here at Overland Expo West in Flagstaff, Arizona, hanging out in the Black Series trailer slash podcast vehicle. And I have two really special guests here today, Brian and Jen Danger. I'm so excited to speak with you guys because you were one of the couples that inspired Richard and I to drive the Pan American Highway. And we read your blog back in the day. You guys have traveled a lot. You have a lot of cool experiences and you've contributed to the community so much. So I'm so excited to have you guys. Welcome. Thank you, Ash. Yay. Oh, you're so sweet. I love you. And special thanks to 303 Stable for supporting the Overland Journal podcast. Rock crawling, incredible views, and real people with a drive to leave the world better than they found it. It's all in a new documentary presented by 303 and Stable. From the ground up, Keeping the Desert Clean tells the story of an Arizona nonprofit tackling the massive problems of illegal dumping on public lands. Watch and learn how a hobby can turn into a movement brought to you by brands driven to protect and preserve the things you love. From the ground up, Keeping the Desert Clean is available now on YouTube. Search 303 products and subscribe today. You guys started in a 67 Volkswagen bus. A combi. A combi. And you redid the interior. A little bit. A little bit. And your background is in? Uh, Architecture. Right. So that influenced architecture and design. Perfect. And that influenced the interior? A lot. A lot. How so? Well, it should have been simple. should have been easy. (laughs) As it always should be. As it turns out, I don't do simple and easy very well. (laughs) So we spent forever designing and forever building. And at the point, to be fair, we were building with battery-powered tools down an old dirt road in Vancouver, BC. And so we'd wait till five o'clock where we got off work and we'd run out as fast as we could instead of a sawhorse, pull out the tool. And, you know, I think we got like an hour to an hour and a half uh, before it got dark. Right. It raining. Yeah. So it took a long, I think a year and a half, maybe our build took. Yeah, we uh, still had corporate jobs. So it was a <laughs> side thing that we were building something to escape in the future. Amazing. What were you doing? What were your corporate jobs? Do we have to talk about that? No. <laughs> so, it sounds so dirty. Oh. Jobs. Yeah, no. Bry was a consultant for education, for software, for, he was pretty great at his job. I worked for outdoor brands. I was okay at my job, but I worked at a really at really cool companies. Nice. So both of us had jobs that other people really kind of dream about, but we were not feeling it. Right. We were looking for something different for us. And how did you decide that this project was the thing? That was all her. That was 100% her. Yeah, I was, I'm the type A OCD, like I had to have the desk job and have the security and all. Luckily, I fell in love with the Oregon hippie next door. And so she was all about the happiness and the freedom and running away. And I think we just got to the point where I actually thought she was going to go without me if I didn't get busy and get ready to go. And so for me, well, who knew at the time? So the design project for me, I think, became the ideology the vision of that future thing that meant we could go. And I failed. We aborted a couple of times, but we finally pulled the trigger and said, this is good enough. It'll work and we're going to go. It started as what if we just like quit our jobs and just go camping for like a year? We chose Mexico because we'd been there a couple of times and Mexico's amazing. Simple and it's easy and it's affordable. I mean, really, that's where it started. We were like, okay, let's do one year. But one year meant five years of planning and downsizing and purging belongings and saving money. And I mean, it's funny, we thought we were just trying to go do the vacation. Right. But honestly, looking back, those were the years I think we did all the work that really made the difference, right? Those those things, while they seemed insignificant, actually were the things that- Right. I think you see people on the road and you're like, wow, that's so amazing and they're so free, but you don't necessarily see all the preparation and the sweat and the hard work and the tears and everything that happens before that. Because, you know, you're seeing the grand adventure. There was definitely um, a leap that we didn't know where we were going to end up. We were like, let's do this, but not without knowing how it's going to end up or work out or if we're going to like it even. Uh, Maybe we want to stay in corporate America working, but we didn't think we did. But we were open to the fact that, you know, there is healthcare, there is community there. That's what everyone else around us is doing. Maybe that let's just try this thing and then see where we feel at, at the end. I honestly thought it was a horrible idea. I, what I, were the words of persuasion, Jen? Oh, she's very convincing. <laughs> Mostly 
thinking she was going to go with somebody else, I think. Oh, no, um, no but, I never said that. You felt no, that, I made and that I've up. never <laughs> felt that way. No, I made that up. But, but the words of persuasion were nature, sunsets, sunrises, jump she's, in the ocean. She's a very persuasive oh. She's persuading me right now. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. like, oh, yes, let's no, I, go. <laughs> I, I think at some point I was so stubborn that I was like, you know what? We'll just do what she wants. We'll save the money. We'll get ready. We'll go. And at the end of two years, because I think we thought we had saved enough for a year and a half to two years in Mexico where we knew it was cheap, then I can actually say the words I told you so, and that'll be so awesome. It turns out, I mean, what was supposed to be a year and a half is now 10 years later, which is mind boggle. And she was a hundred percent right every time. And that's actually a little frustrating, but we won't talk about that here. (laughs) But every single time she was absolutely, it was, it's so amazing that once you make that hard leap for the right reasons of freedom and happiness and ocean and and all those things, everything else just kind of starts to work out, right? Yes. These new things that I didn't know were possible where suddenly we're more aware and opportunities are flying by that we were just too busy to to notice before, much less to grab onto. As you like go after something that you are dreaming up that you think is in a silo, you realize other people are dreaming the same thing or they have done the same thing. And it's incredible. Like once you start going down that path, things start opening and you see things that were always there, but you didn't see them before. It's pretty incredible. Were there any people that you saw that were doing this that inspired you? Very, very few, sadly. Yeah. I mean, social media wasn't really around yet. I guess there was some Facebook. I I scoured looking for blogs. I mean, I was desperate for somebody to just say, it's okay. And we survived. Like that's all I need. (laughs) I just need some kind of nugget. Yes. Um, I think Bumfuzzle was maybe the one that was out there that had a blog. Yeah. Oddly enough, uh, you know, our first vehicle was a 67 Combi. They also had had traveled in a Volkswagen, so we stumbled upon them at some point. Um, Ironically enough, they also spent time in a boat, which we would get to later. I don't know if we'll have enough hours to get to that here. We will do Um, it. And so they were like the one blog that we could find. Once we were on the road and we were looking for more detailed information about, say, border crossings and others, we started to find a few others. Nice. Um, but I think you guys remember this story. I mean, we didn't we didn't know that overlending was a word right. at the time. We didn't know that well, van life didn't even exist as a hashtag. We just literally wanted freedom. And the beaches of Mexico were our vision. And so we're like, that's enough. And we'll do that. And then somehow that turned into you know, continuing south through Central America and we're just going to keep driving. And they're like, oh, wait, a Darien Gap? Like, what's a gap? We don't know what that is. I guess we're not going to drive all the way there. And so we just kept learning as we go, which I guess is all we really do. But no, there weren't much, right? There wasn't, yes. there wasn't a lot. And to this day, I still feel, I guess, somehow indebted to Jen for freeing me and for saving my life. And so I still want to share. And we don't really know what that is often because we hate microphones and cameras. <laughs> um, but I, I do feel somehow like we have to still share that because when we left, there just weren't, there weren't a lot of options for us to like speak to or listen to or like go throw hugs to and be like, thank you for telling us it was okay. Totally. Like, we're not going to die. I think okay. one of the cool things about your blog is that I felt like it was it is, not was, is very honest. And it was a very like real world perspective. It wasn't glorified. It was like, these are the emotions we're going through. This is what we're doing. Um, these are the struggles we're having. These are the epic moments we're having. And we really, I remember being at home and Richard introduced me to it. And we were both like, this is really cool. This is a really real blog. This is like we felt like we were with you in a way because it was like that. It was very honest and real. So yeah, it was very interesting. When Bri was writing the blog, it was the idea of it was for us when we're 70 years old and our memories start starting to fail and we're drinking iced tea on a front porch somewhere, we can remember all the things that we experienced. That's, that was the intention of the blog because nobody really had blogs. They had blogs for their family or for, you know, yes. it wasn't really a let's share it with the world yet sort of uh, time. I remember like when Bri said, you know what, actually, this is really therapeutic for me as I'm evolving, as I'm moving from this like super 
efficient lifestyle where it's all about productivity and what, you know, what's my next move and things like that, that sort of that was the world that we lived in. Now it's like, okay, uh, I didn't have anything to do today, but make sure that I ate and drank water and exercised. That was my day. And it was the worst day ever because <laughs> it was so stressful. Yeah, no, I, looking back, it was just therapy. Like, I totally. mean, I, I didn't know at the time, but there are these things called journals. I could have just written in a journal and it would have been fine. Instead of posting it. I didn't have to post it to the world. Thank really you for doing so. I we did that. No, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, biggest regrets ever. Like, I don't just write a journal, Brian. It so much better. No, you be you, Brian. You be you. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So the combi, beautiful project. I want to know more about like how your design came together to form that project and what kind of materials you used and what was the vision and what was the inspiration for it? Because you guys got it. I think stupidity it. mostly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, what did we figure out? Maybe 69 square feet, the entire van, much less the, the actual living quarters. And so we were like, oh yeah, we're going to entertain and play games. We had these visions of playing Catan with friends. And so we tried to build like a lounge that converted into it. It was going to be awesome, you know, but I didn't know any that we'd never done any, right? We'd slept in tents and backpacked, but that was it. Built it and there wasn't enough time to redo it. So we just had to go. And so we, we literally, you know, we built it, we moved into it, put all the rest of our belongings, even after five years of downside. And we're like, oops, there's no room for the dog or us. And so we pulled under a canopy and had to get rid of half of that stuff that we thought was important. And then, you know, the first night we made the bed, I laid down. And once I added the pillow, it was literally the dimensions of my body. There was not enough room. And that was with a cabinet that opened. So my feet would stick into the cabinet. Right. Just, there's nothing left in that. And so we lived the next several years in that van with two of us and a 69 pound dog. And we didn't fit. I mean, we didn't fit for one day. But we just made it work, right? And yeah. so when one of us rolled over, the other one would have to roll over. One could sleep flat. The other had to be on their side. And both of us kind of just gave the dog whatever she wanted. We're like, Karma, you get it all. And we'll just be uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was horrible. All the things we thought were important were absolutely wrong. And, you know, we've redesigned not necessarily that van, but all of our other vans so many times over the years. And it was all just based on what we did wrong the last time. And so we'd start over every time based upon what was wrong. And, you know, you start to get better, but it was so bad. It was so bad. Well, you say horrible, but in the moment, oh, we're we were like yeah. feeling high as can be because we're like every day's an adventure. We're like reinventing ourselves, literally trying to figure out what we want to do next with no agenda. Just how are we feeling? Checking in with ourselves. And for me, it was pretty incredible. I felt free, really free for the first time, maybe my entire life, except for maybe when I was five or six and just playing with weeds and <laughs> bumblebees and, you know, grasshoppers. Yeah, but, but I did go through an evolution. So a couple of them. Yeah. yeah. I asked Jen what her luxury item was. I think Survivor was big at the time. I'm like, what's your, what's your <laughs> one luxury item? She's like, I need ice. I need, ice cubes. I need a couple of ice cubes for a cocktail at the end of the day. Yeah. And oddly enough, we've built several vans now around the idea of just having ice. Like if we have ice, we're okay. Everybody if we has don't have their... ice, we're not okay. Like that's our, that's the line, right? Yeah. What's yeah. your we luxury item? can survive item. on anything else. Mine? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Comfortable bed. I think Jen is my oh. luxury item. Oh. Yeah, yes. I, I don't know. I've never thought about it, Ash. Ah. Yeah. Well, next time we see you. I mean, I would like to say Wi-Fi, but we never have that. So <laughs> that's clearly not the luxury item. Yeah. I, that's the dream. That's the future. I'll get back to you. So how long did you spend on the road in your combi? So we left Vancouver, BC. We did about a year and a half down to Panama. And then... We decided to, or Costa Rica, actually, we dipped into Panama, but we left the van in Costa Rica. We flew home to Oregon to see some friends and we thought we'd spend a month. And we realized we really love the Pacific Northwest. Our time in Mexico and Central America has been like transforming. We feel different. Our friends are having kids and we don't have kids. Freudian, um, Freudian slip. Yeah. And our, and our, you know, dogs being reunited with dogs <laughs> that she grew up with and like, Silly things like that. And we're drinking wine and playing games on front porches with our loved ones. And we're like, oh, this is what's really fueling us right now. So, it changes. I yeah. think that's the cool thing about yeah. watching you guys is you've pivoted based on what 
feels right. And I see that. That is So a, that felt like home to you. That is 100% cool. well said. So we had won an award for like being uh, like nomadic for a really long time or whatever. And but we're like, oh, this is crazy because what we want right now is to like be in this neighborhood where our loved ones are three blocks that way and two miles that way. And we can walk. We are going to do that for a little bit. And following our heart, I think, came really easy for us because it sort of reinforced like what we're looking for is happiness, peace, balance, joy, feel like we're really living our true selves, not like do we have a goal to accomplish or so we stayed in Oregon for about a year before we went back and got our bus and and we brought it back to the Pacific Northwest. And did you have a big design project? Was that when that happened? Yes. Tell us about yeah, that, Brian. No, it did. We, yeah. Oddly enough, we rented a house because our house was rented out. So we rented a, I say a house, a tiny condo, two blocks from home. And there's that weird feeling, wow, I'm in my neighborhood and I got my friends, but I'm renting a home and I have no furniture. So it's like an inflatable mattress on the floor and two camp chairs. And then we walk by our house and see people there that are happy. And so one night we woke up and we're like, oh my God, like our garage is completely unused. And so what if we just moved into the garage so they can keep paying the mortgage? And somehow that turned turned into realizing that's actually legal now and the world has changed and accessory dwelling units are a thing. And the idea was just pull the combi in and have a toilet and a sink in the corner. And we'll be uh, good. an oven. And an so oven. we could have nachos and pizza whenever we wanted. You, you do sell that. Very nice. Um, <laughs> And so it started very simply, right? And we, like, we'd already spent most of our money driving south. And so I spent the rest of that money building this garage out into kind of a tiny home, a place that, you know, at some point we just realized we might have to live here until we're 90. Like if we don't find other jobs, like this is all we might get. And so the designer in me went kind of nuts and spent the rest of our travel money and built a, a home out of a 480 square foot garage. That the, the shower had two shower heads and it was gigantic and it was so spa-like. <laughs> and it's in this little tiny itsy bitsy garage renovation, which is hilarious. It's funny how priorities change, you know? Like yes. you don't get a real shower for two years and you're like, okay, dual shower head in 480 square feet suddenly seem important. But yeah, we did that and, and suddenly we're like, okay, now we have no money. We have to live here forever. Uh, but then one of our neighbors was like, have you heard of Airbnb? No, what's Airbnb? So they coached us and we listed it. And then oddly enough, it booked out and paid for our flight back to get the bus, right? And then we drove the bus home, but we didn't know what we were doing. So it kept booking. So when we got the bus back to Portland months later, we had no home. And so oddly enough, we just spent all this time and money to build a home and we're still living <laughs> in our neighborhood. Right. right. And so I don't know, it just, it was a really interesting twist that happened. And then we somehow realized in the middle of that, that a little bit of money is a good idea. Like we need that. And we started planning our travel schedule around when people booked our garage and why people wanted to book our garage. I have no idea. It wasn't even finished yet, but it, it just had a look and feel that I guess people wanted. Was that the one that won a war and like an award it, or was in a fancy magazine or something? It, it, it oddly got a little bit of media. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, I don't know how, but it, it actually ended up in the New York Times. <laughs> You're a, so hilarious. You're I like, know, right? oh, I designed this thing. It's, uh, yeah, I don't understand why people liked it. Oh, it was in no, the New York just, Times. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's, it's very funny. We do things because they make us happy. Like that's it. Right. We just make decisions because at the time it's what we have to do. But it's weird how many of those things happen to fall into niches of other movements or ideologies that are happening. Do you think there was like a certain design aesthetic that led to that or because it was a tiny home that was designed honestly, in a certain way? You don't know? I have no idea. I mean, I would love to take full credit. I mean, yes, I have all these years of education and well, all these I have an opinion. All these loans so, I had to pay off. It must be me, but no. I in this sense, Brian's a designer. He doesn't see it like the rest of us. But in my perspective, Brian designed this super unusual, unique, industrial, rugged. It's a garage. You can work on your van or you can cook pasta. <laughs> you can have a spa-like shower or you can, you know, watch a football game or like whatever. I mean, it was really beautiful, cool, different than anything we'd ever seen. Weird people found it. Weird people. We are weird. So we say weird in a very like a very positive, way. a loving way. Those are our people. 
Yes. Uh, weird people found it. Weird uh, creative types found it. It won some awards. It got in some magazines. And we were so stoked because we literally, Brian designed it and we built it for us and our lifestyle and what we thought would be make us the happiest. People yeah. loved it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it turns out later on, this is a reoccurring theme. We, we have no idea what we're doing. We're very honest Ever. about the fact we have no idea what we're doing. And we literally just designed something that is perfect for us, right? We don't care if it matters to anybody else. We just design what's going to make us happy and comfortable. But oddly enough, yeah, it seems to also resonate with other people. Let's go with like-minded rather than weird, maybe for a little while. But yeah, it it just somehow resonates. And that has been very fortunate for us. I mean, it's helped us get over those humps where we don't know what's next and we don't know what we're doing and we don't know how we're going to pay for it. And so somehow this turned into, you know, we would put it on Airbnb and let it rent out for three weeks a month. And then we'd book one week for us so we could be there. And then we would travel the other three in our van. And we just decided to be at home. But now we're like, but that's kind of fun. We want to be traveling and exploring the Pacific Northwest. We've never done that before. And then the longer it went, the more we would just let it book. Because I always needed a home base. I think the thing I was missing throughout those therapy blog sessions that we're talking about, the thing I was always missing was a home base. I needed it at a very deep level. I didn't understand. And once we built it, I was like, I'm good. Yeah, let's travel again. Like, let's just go. And so we just started actually traveling more and more despite the fact we just built a home base, which I will never understand, but it turns out I don't have to understand. We just go with it. And yes. So, yeah. so jumping a little bit ahead then, you'll see we saw this happen again with your Zen Vans build. This a is little, another great example. Bit. Yeah, I had of, actually forgotten a lot of the details of this until today when a lot of people came and asked questions. Yeah. But we were still in the combi. Not so great in the Northwest. You know, rain's outside, rain's inside, still breaking down every three days, which we had gotten used to. But we got a... We got a letter from our credit union that was like, you guys are pre-approved for a car loan at 1%. But it has to be a brand new vehicle. And we're like, we haven't had a check in like three years. Like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> but those sprinters, those new sprinters, those look really good. Like you can stand up in them like modern man. And so we bought a new sprinter fully thinking, like even as we drove it home with a hammock in the back, somebody's going to come repossess this because they're going to find out that we well, do not have jobs. Backing right? up just a sec, Bri was looking at, there were a lot of food carts in Portland, Seattle at the time. And there were these taco trucks that looked really big and beautiful. And like, we're like, that's like three times as big as our Volkswagen. What if we got one of those and lived in those, you know, for a bit? They were like, you know, four or $5,000. And that doesn't seem like a lot of money, but we didn't have that. So then the credit union was like, but if you buy something new, it's like 1% interest. Bri's like, let's get a big, giant van and let's design something really cool in it. Which you did. We did. Yeah. We kind of kept doing the same thing. So we would design and build and then the designer in me was like, no, that's not right. And we'd rip it out and we'd rebuild and we keep doing it again and again. And so I think over the next two or three years, while we're living in it full time, essentially, because we needed the money from the Airbnb and we wanted to travel. So we're living in it full time. We're trying to build it. It's failing. We're changing things. And eventually... I don't know, the designer in me was just like, there's got to be a better way, right? So rather than self-tapping screws and turning the van into Swiss cheese, what if we just bolted things to factory holes? Then I could rip it out a thousand times without damaging the van. And there was this epiphany, like, oh my goodness, that'd be awesome. We could do that. And oddly, at the same time, we got invited to come to Ruin Expo. Interesting place to do this interview. Um, they just <laughs> invited circle. us to come speak as featured travelers. And, you know, we'd already had this experience in, in Home Depot parking lots or campgrounds where we open the doors and people just gather around and they're like, can you help us? Can you do this? And we kind of did the same thing with our garage where we helped neighbors do the same thing just because they saw it and they came in and, you know, we wanted to share the happiness and the freedom and the extra money. And so while we were here, people were begging and throwing checks at us. And we're like, we don't do that. We travel. We really like to travel. Yeah. And eventually we just kind of started to break down and realize, wait, we kind of just turned this into a system that might work. Kind of started doing both. We were still building our van full time while living in it, but we're also like, but what if we made tweaks that would allow others to do the same thing and to start to travel and and feel the, the freedom and the happiness and all the things that we had fought so hard for. And I think one thing that we were super aware of when we had full-time jobs 
and we were very busy all the time. We didn't have enough time to really think about what we really wanted in life. Now we had free time. Brian's able to be creative with different designs. One thing that we realized was really, we valued that was really important to us is how do we somehow share with other people that are too busy to really think about what they want to know that if you have time to think about what you want, you can make what you want happen. If you can step back a little bit, be like, oh man, I want to take six months off and travel Africa or, you know, you can do that. You just have to like go for it. And a special thanks to Moon Fabrications for supporting this week's podcast. Moonshade by Moon Fabrications is the portable vehicle awning you've been waiting for. Moonshade is built to last, simple to set up, and ships with everything you need to mount the Moonshade to most vehicle styles without a drill right out of the box. With over 60 square feet of shade coverage and multiple setup configurations, Moonshade is the ideal choice for rigs of all sizes. Moonshade only weighs 8 pounds and shrinks down to the size of a yoga mat so you can pack more of what you need out on the trail. Visit moonfab.com. That's M-O-O-N-F-A-B.com to place your order today. For the worst summer sun, treat yourself to the best. Moonshade has you covered. Thanks, Moonshade. It, it is quite weird how you take the thing that, at least for me, was terrifying, right? Like for her, it was easy. It was like, yeah, it's just happiness. We're just going to quit our jobs, money, and nobody needs it. Super easy for me. Uh, and, and I just, I think I just spent the last two hours like trying to convince two different couples to quit their jobs or find a way to keep their job and work remotely and run away. And every time I'm like, wow, I'm literally just talking. I'm just talking as Super Jen right now. I'm just telling, I'm, I'm just <laughs> repeating Jen. all the same things that she told me for years. Right. And I didn't believe any of them. And suddenly now, you know, we're 10 years in. It's so easy to take the other side and be like, look, I, I know it's scary. I know you don't know the answers. You don't know what the way out is yet, but it will be there. Like there is an option after you leave. And if there's not, you can always go back. You can That's always go back. You out. can always go back. I was yes. so terrified that we can never go back. Going back is so easy. Like you already have that thing. You already know how to do those things. Leaving is hard, but going back is easy. Because you, you know you what. You want to do it. Right? You know you what going it. back, you know what that feels like. You know what that looks like. It might not be the same job in the same city. You know what the perks will be. You know what the advantages will be. You know what the disadvantages will be. You can choose that and you can, you can. You can create that again for your life. But going into the unknown, that's the scary part. But yeah. I, I mean, we're huge believers. Like, it doesn't matter if you want to be in a Volkswagen or a Sprinter or Overland or on a boat or whatever. <clears throat> whatever you feel is going to make you feel like you are living. This is good. I'm doing, I am doing what I should be doing. Go do that. It doesn't matter what it is. Just go do that. Yeah, it's, it's funny that this is the part that I think once we learned what the word Overland meant we always felt like we didn't quite fit in even though we were doing it always been about just take whatever's in the driveway just go like find a way to go you can figure the rest out but for us it was so clear right we already had a van that most people would never choose to take it broke down every three days we didn't know how to fix it everything was going wrong but we were happy and somehow when we looked at the highway from the beach that we were camping on we were getting passed on the pan am by like tricycles and fiats and <laughs> Like people that you shouldn't even be trying to sleep in your vehicle and they're passing us and we're coming back after going all the way south. I don't know. Somehow just drove that vision deeper and deeper, deeper. Like it doesn't matter. Just yes. find a way to take one step and the rest of the steps will help find you. I'm still not a trusting person. Like I, this is really hard for me. Like I'm not fully adopted and adapted yet, but it is amazing the ways that we, you know, we have had to continually reinvent ourselves over the last 10 years, but it is not without opportunities and ideas and things that also feed in and help along the way. Like somehow we don't have to just go from zero to a hundred. There's something that comes along that's like, oh, you know, like a letter from your credit union, for example, I guess. Yeah, I'm curious because you guys went from van travel and made the leap into sailing. And so there's another example of you you know, leap in the net where it will appear or the boat will appear or the whatever. <laughs> yeah. What was that transition like? And why did you choose to leave land for sea? Uh, again, purely accidentally as we do things, I think. So we, we had just decided to eventually not say no to helping other people build vans. We said yes. So we decided to make a couple of DIY kits and see if it was a business. That did not go according to plan at all early on. And so we came to Expo and we, we presented it and feedback was amazing. I mean, we got a lot of great free media. Again, people were 
thrilled. I mean, to watch people be excited about something you design and build is is fulfilling. Something that never gets tiring, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just magical. Um, so we walked away with this long list, but then when we looked at each other and we're like, hey, we have to finish these two out of three vans we just started and we're already exhausted. And so I think all in, we spent, I don't know, six months of 22 hour days just working on this project. And so when we really checked in with ourselves and we're like, okay, what do we want to do? We've got all these new clients. We want to run away because that's what we're good at. And so we just kind of got into our van. We want to go camping. And we just drove north, right? And like Alaska was always on the list. And so we drove north through BC and Alberta and Northwest Territories into the Yukon, um, up the Dempster and, you know, got to the Arctic Circle and drove over to Alaska. And we're like, oh my God, dream trip. This is amazing. And every time we'd get back into cell range, we'd get like 20 calls that would pop in. And we're like, I'm afraid to call them back because we just walked away. Like, we don't know what this is yet. We have to find our balance. Um, and somewhere along the way, we, I think in Alaska is where we, you know, we always found ourselves kind of camping at marinas and on the ocean. Like we just were always drawn to the sea and we're at a campfire with this guy. It's midnight. So the sun's still out in Alaska. We have our shades on and he's just miserable. I mean, he's bitter. He's, he's mad. And, and we're kind of checking in like, Hey man, like this is really great, isn't it? He's like, no, this is horrible. I'm a sailor. I want to be on my boat. Why aren't you on your boat? And he's like, well, I'm too old. My body's breaking down. I have to move on to the next phase. And our entire life, we had dreamt of being on a boat, but it was too much money. It was too far away. We didn't know how to sail it. It was always this like later, later. And for whatever reason, we drove away and this guy's words just hit us really deep. And so we we made an offer on a boat three days later that we had never even seen before from Alaska. Three days later. Yeah. Uh, well, past lessons come true. What we, we now realize once we make a decision about what we want. It's go no time. time. Like now. And so that means literally like within And kind of circling back what we said earlier, we knew we could always go back to the van. We love, we love overlanding. Let's try overwatering. I guess (laughs) that's even a word. And um, when we jumped into that path, we didn't know if we'd get seasick. We didn't know if we'd love it. We didn't know if our like sweet, precious dog, who is like our tribe, you know, part of our tripod, if she would like it. And we were willing to readjust if we got on this path and decided not to because we knew well we are happy camping and driving around to remote locations and living out of our vehicle but it turned out that we really liked it that was almost four years ago right three and a half years ago yeah almost four years i remember we we made an offer on the boat and then in that period where you can still run away Right. We had this conversation where like, we've read about this enough. Like we don't know a lot. We don't know how to sail at all, but we've read about boats because it's always been a dream. And so if we do this, we're probably going to lose a lot of money. Like we just came into money <laughs> for the first time in years, right? So we finally had something in the account and we're like, okay, if we spend all this money on the boat, we're going to lose this many dollars. And it was a big number. Like, I don't know how many figures, Let's but we're both like, anyway. we're both like, that's a six figure number. If we, Let's if we did anyway. this for a year or two and we lose that many dollars, are we okay? Would we still do it? And we're like, yeah, like we're doing it, right? And so we just did it. And then we kept expecting like something will fall through. It won't really happen. It did happen. And then literally at the day we're arriving, like we drove cross country, we sold our van, moved into a rental van, drove cross country. And as we got to like maybe New Orleans, reality started to set in and we're like, oh my God, what have we done? Like, what if we get seasick? What if the dog hates it? Like we're in trouble. And then we move aboard and we start to look around and we're like, wow, it's, it's huge. Like this is going to be easy to live in. Have you figured out how to turn the lights on? Like, <laughs> do you know how to flush the toilet? Like, we didn't know anything, right? Yeah. We'd never really even been on boats. And so we just spent a long time kind of figuring out just how to live, much less how to sail, which we eventually had to learn. So we just adopted this, like, one new thing. In and so in the beginning, that was, like, how to turn the lights on, how to flush the toilet, how to do whatever, how to open a door. And then eventually it was, like, how to start up the dinghy motor, how to raise the sail, which was literally, you know, we found ourselves in the ocean because we were terrified to go back and dock the boat again, mostly like that. Leaving the dock was easy. Going back was like, no, we're not doing that. Where was the dock that you were leaving from? Or uh, you were- Fort Lauderdale okay. at the time is where we picked up the boat. Gotcha. And so we, we were just like, I don't want to go back. Do you want to go back? No, okay, we'll keep going. So we went through a couple of bridges, got out to the water, and then we're just sitting there bobbing and we're like, well, guess we could raise the sails. Like that was like three weeks from now. We could try. So we pulled out the binoculars and we're like looking at the top, like trying to follow the colors. We're like, what are these ropes? Oh, wait, we can't say ropes, lines. They're lines. Which line does what? And we finally picked it up and we raised the sails and we're like, yes, 
And we look around, the boat's not going anywhere. And we're like, oh, I thought that's how you sail a boat. You just, <laughs> you put the things up and it goes. But that's, we, we started that, right? Like that far down the rope that we had to learn literally everything about how to, how to live this lifestyle. And but, also the thing that's great is you took it in bite-sized chunks. So you weren't completely overwhelmed at the beginning. And you're like, I can't, I'm done. Like, this is too much. So yeah. taking it a little bit at a time. Yeah. Well said. Smart. Well yeah. said. We were still terrified. Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> we tried. We would tell ourselves that for a security blanket. Sure. But we did still have a date where we had to move off that dock. Like our our lease or whatever they call it on the dock was expiring. We had to be gone. And so we're like, okay, like let's take this real slow. But also we have to go. And so we kind of just kept doing that. I think our third or fourth sail ever was across the Gulf Stream. And at the, From at Florida that, to the Bahamas. Yeah, and, and at that point, we didn't even know what that meant. We're just like, it's a body of water. It's fine. And people are like, it's kind of a big deal. Like, you should know what you're doing. <laughs> so we started learning how to, I should say Jen, started learning how to read weather, figure out what the right timing is. You need a big window to make sure there's no storms coming. Um, and to be clear, Jen's the captain of the boat, right? Like, this is philosophical boat that we've been talking about for a while now is, is all driven by Jen. And so Jen's the captain. Jen became responsible for learning how to read weather, how to steer the boat, how to do all the things, because I'm still busy doing business things, I guess. Right. Um, even though we swore there was no business. It's funny, we got to this port where most people pop off from to go to the Bahamas and we're looking for anybody to just say like, it's okay, it's okay. We're still looking for that blog that says you're going to survive. <laughs> yes. And we found one boat that was from Portland, Oregon. And we're like, oh, it's going to be Ironically. okay. We dingy around their boat. We knock on the boat. We yell at them. There's nobody on the boat. Uber high, uber low, which as it turns out is a theme in living on a boat. Could not find them. I guess they were at the bar or something else. And it turns out he's a meteorologist. And so we wrote eventually and said, we're going to cross tomorrow. What do you guys think? And we didn't get their email back until we we're halfway across the Gulf Stream when they responded, whatever you do, do not cross tomorrow. Oh, no. And so we, I don't even know how we got cell service, but we're halfway It was a across. lovely crossing though. I have to say, I mean, I don't know what our expectations oh. were, but it felt safe. And I mean, it felt big. We're on the open ocean. Everything felt... It was pretty amazing. Let's I mean, the seas were big. There were things that were kind of a gulp moment, but overall it was fine compared to whatever we built ourselves up for. And so we got their text. And we're like, oh my God, we need to turn around. We're like, but we're halfway. What if it's behind us? We, get, we just kind of had to keep going. And we would learn days later that they actually decided to cross on the same day, just 10 hours behind us or something. It was fine. There's a lot of overreaction when you're reading weather and things like that. And so it's just, I don't know, it's just another example of how like at some point you just have to leap. You got to leap, right? You got to make the jump. There are things that are almost built in that will terrify you along the way and you just kind of got to keep going and in this particular case on the other side of that leap was idyllic beaches and sunsets and all the things that we'd always see turtles for. and dolphins and whales yeah. and sharks so anyway i mean ter terrifying start and we just kept going from there we basically just went down throughout the entire caribbean and kept learning as we go and uh, to be honest we still know i think most sailors would say we know nothing but we're better than we were and we wouldn't change a thing I mean, it's it's oddly oddly similar to van life in very many ways. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, I mean, the lifestyle of you know moving to smaller spaces and kind of figuring out life as you go and having to deal with your own repairs and having to cross a lot of borders. I mean, there are oddly a large number of similarities. We we somehow always keep catch ourselves saying that the only difference is that the highs are way higher and the lows are way lower. And they tend to come with about 30 seconds of warning between you feel you're having the best moment of your life. And it is almost certainly going to be followed with like the largest fear. You Rainbow, dolphins jumping, you catch a tuna and then here comes a storm, like not like a huge storm, but the squall that's going to hit you for a good five minutes and you're going to be in a tailspin for about five minutes and it's pretty stressful. Another thing is maybe when hardware falls off of somewhere at the top of your mast and you're like, was that important? Because I just heard something fall. Like, what was that? What do you, what do you think this piece goes yeah, to, Jen? <laughs> that Are that we kind okay? of seems important. And then it? you have to investigate every single part and like just, oh man, it's pretty. Go it's ahead. a lot like overlanding. Right. I was going to say there maybe the risks. I don't know. I've never sailed, but I would imagine. We're going to change that in the next couple of months or weeks, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was, I got the commitment on courting, by the way. Okay, <laughs> it's uh, used as, as, as evidence now. Yeah, exactly. Carry on. <laughs> oh, question? I was going to say, yeah. um, it seems like the risks are more intense.
sense, maybe on a boat in a, some a way. Yeah. 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 I mean, our, so our original, like as we drove south to Panama, our, our bus literally broke down about every three days. But honestly, that was good for us. A lot of the fears we had about Mexico turned into us feeling more protected and, and safe than ever because there was always some community or some person that was willing to come out and save us, literally save us because we had no idea what we were doing. But on the boat, there's just nobody there, right? I mean, there's nobody that's going to pass because there's not a road that you all have to follow. You're just in the middle of this giant body figuring it out on your own. And to be fair, I didn't know how to fix the Volkswagen engine either, but I certainly don't know how to fix the diesel engine. And now I'm trying to fix it while in 10 foot seas in the middle of an ocean. It just, the bar gets raised fairly significantly in ways that we didn't expect. Mm. But. And then you see a rainbow. And you see and a rainbow like, with dolphins jumping. This is really freaking cool. Or you pull into port and you get to stay for several weeks because you're totally self-sustaining and you get to enjoy all of those things, which we now realize we've always dri been driven by. We've always basically driven the ocean roads. We've always camped on the beach. We've always sat there looking and staring and wondering what those people on the boats were doing. Once we get to our destination, there's no question this is our perfect life. We are literally living what we would have written down and actually did in some of some of Jen's daydreaming events. Visions. We're, we're living our vision quest, right? It's beautiful. It just comes with really terrifying, harrowing moments in between those beautiful events. Right. What are some differences, I guess, a few more differences between overlanding and sailing, do you think? Like in terms of even the vessel or I imagine it's different because you're popping via different islands and how often do you go to land, you know, and encounter other people? Are you more isolated? I think one of the most impactful differences to us, because the lifestyle is very similar, we still seek out remote locations. We did that on land. We do that by sea. We still make our own power, make our own water. We didn't make our own water, you know, on land, but we carried our own water and low impact on the ocean, low impact when you're camping. But the thing that is so much different is that the salt water, the ocean, it's so intense and things deteriorate and corrode so much faster than dust or altitude or like the things that we've experienced, you know, being a problem in our vehicles, you know, our electronics uh, failing because too much salt, the bottom of the boat corroding, basically animals like be deciding they want to live on the bottom of the boat. Like, what would you say, Bri? That was my no, first. It's, it, it's almost like everything is suddenly against you, right? I mean, the ocean will destroy anything that it gets its hands on. And so we're, we're suddenly like, oh, we have to have a backup laptop. We have to have backup GoPro. We have to have a backup. Oh, we can't afford any of them. Much less replacement oil filters and fuel filters and things that matter, impellers. And so we're just, we find ourselves so deeply over our heads, which should be tremendously stressful, but we are literally living our best life. And so it's like, how do you balance these two things, right? And so we try to get better at like, when we get into a port that has things, we just go guns blazing. Like we have to get all the things as fast as we can. And there are never all of the things, but you get as many as you can, right? And then we try to order as much as we can from home, but shipping is a complete nightmare. All the things that we always took for granted, like if you break down, there's AAA or there's a gas station within range, or even in Mexico, at least with the Volkswagen, and if a guy knows how to fix a toaster, he knows how to fix your, your van, you're going to be fine. Suddenly there's just nobody there. And so it's this very odd dichotomy of like, I've never been happier in my life. There's no way I'm giving this up. And yet we're in constant risk of just drifting in the open ocean, right? Like it, it's just this weird combination, but yet we wouldn't change a thing. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, here we are the last six weeks, we came back to the States for the first time in four years, moved back into a van, which at this point is a company van and, you know, had weird things we never had in our van, like plumbing and hot water showers and just, you know, things that are too good for humanity to endure. Yet we still miss it. We're loving every minute that we're in a van. And I think that the lesson here is that at some point, the perfect balance is to have both. Like, I think we're becoming more aware of that, but we also just miss every day that we get to, I, I think we're merpeople. I mean, I think, <laughs> we've, I think we've actually decided that we're merpeople. Mm -hmm. I mean, in our best when I wasn't working too much and things like that, we we were in the water like six to eight hours a day. Wow. Snorkeling, diving mm -hmm. underwater, just meeting local sea creatures. And like that is, as it turns out, that is our happiness, right? I don't know. It's funny. And now we're talking about crossing the Pacific, which I think we all know is way above our pay grade. Mm -hmm. Like we are not even close like, to ready. That's like 30 days of sailing without potentially seeing anybody. Wow. 
no place to stop. I mean, maybe even 35 days. Well, we're, we sail we're slow. slow. It's probably 40. Maybe um, 40. But at some point, we, we just admit, like, nobody's coming. For you. You're like, on your we own? Have a, we have kind mm -hmm. of a phone tree. We do have a satellite. So if something goes wrong, it'll text our friend. And our friend's like, hey, so who do we call? Honestly, I have no There idea. is no one to call. Like, I, <laughs> we, we just want to say goodbye. <laughs> I, I honestly think it's just us being polite and saying, hey, don't know what's going to happen you. from here. And they're like, I don't think I want to be on the phone tree anymore. Like, <laughs> Fair. So yeah, we, I don't know. It's it's just so interesting that it, it is, I look back at the things that terrified me and I'm like, I have no idea why I was so afraid of those things. Like that was just change. That was just being afraid of, of not normal. This is actually terrifying, but we wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, it's just once we, in between islands, when we're on and we have to be sailing and we're dealing with weather, like that is truly terrifying. Once we get to an island, I mean, we wouldn't change anything, right? We would import our friends because obviously COVID meant we haven't seen anyone for four years. We would change who we get to spend it with and share things with. But in terms of lifestyle, it's uncanny. And, you know, we still think back to that guy at the campfire. Life is short. We have no idea what's coming for any of us or when it's coming. And, and so it's all about living, you know, the happiest and the freest and the best we can every day. And so while we're still thinking about that, like we have found it. There's no question that this is it. It's very remote. It's a little lonely, but it's so good in, in every way. Right. And so it's, I don't know, coming from the guy that wrote because he was terrified and was trying to do therapy for himself. It's really funny to to realize that you've kind of gotten to this place where you just you wouldn't change anything about it. And I think people see that yeah. through you and they're like, wow, this is possible. And so, yeah. You mean they're like, wow, this guy's almost human now. He's not like freaked out all the time. It's <laughs> no. more fun to be around. I hear that. No, I no. totally hear that. And a special thanks to Frontrunner for supporting this week's podcast. Looking for adventure at a moment's notice? Introducing the new Slim Sport Roof Rack from Frontrunner. A low-profile, sleek alternative that's perfect for hauling sports equipment one day and driving the streets the next. Whether the day in the wild calls for camping, mountain bikes, sea gear, paddleboard, or just a few storage bags, the Slim Sport makes it easier to get there. Here's some key Slim Sport features. It's got a low-profile design to minimize drag noise and allow for easy easier access to low clearance garages. It has T-slots in the high strength aluminum slats that allow you to use most of Frontrunner's top mount accessories. Side mount accessories are accommodated through available rack mounting brackets. It's also got the ability to add any of Frontrunner's 55 plus accessories to the Slim Sport so you can set up your rack for any adventure. Choosing your next adventure has never been easier with the new Slim Sport roof rack. Slim Sport is available for select vehicle models. Visit FrontrunnerOutfitters.com to learn more yeah i usually ask people like what's your what's your favorite book or where is the place that you would go if you could travel anywhere right now but um i want to touch on something before we wrap up that you guys once said that totally resonated with me and i think brian you said it you said we're broken but in the best possible way does that sound familiar funny how this term is stuck um, it has yeah no when we i think this fully hit when we first came back from Panama, Costa Rica, we left the bus and we came home and we, we actually had a conversation on the plane and we're like, okay, we can fit in. Like we can make this work. Although all of our friends are having kids. We're going to have kids, I think. So we're ready, right? Like we're going to do this thing. Peer pressure is going to be big. We're just going to commit to normal. We're going to have kids. We're going to, we're going to do this. Yeah. And we both agreed. We're like, yeah, I think, I think it's the time. Like we're in, we're going to be normal. And it could not have been clearer. Once we landed and got back home, like every event, every conversation, every parent that pulled us aside to say, please never have kids, don't do it. We were broken, right? We could not, as hard as we tried, it was just square peg, round hole. Like we could not fit in. And so we kind of just started saying we're broken. And then we started realizing, hey, broken doesn't have to be bad. Like it could be a good word, right? Yes. And I think we actually shared around a campfire, like, well, at some point we should just have like a self-help group where <laughs> all of all of those of us that just can't see seem to fit in anymore because we made this leap and we've seen the other side. We just need to band together, right? Because there are others of us out there. It's just not normal and it's just not common. And the further we go, the further we get away from normal, I think the more this this term really sinks in. I mean, I try to describe it now, but I, I just feel like there was this wall that was built around normalcy that once it was terrifying to, to climb that wall or to break through it. But once we got on the other side, you're like, oh, wait, there's other people already over here and they seem okay. <laughs> yeah. And then like now that we move into sailing, granted, most of the people that are sailing have 
retired to get there or they've done very magical things to get there. But now we spend a lot of evenings talking with people that are living full time this very removed lifestyle that we honestly never thought we would see in our lifetime. We just never thought we'd find the magical equation to get there. And all we do is talk about, well, why can't everybody else see that this is possible? We literally sit around talking with groups of people about how do you convince other people that there is no magic and there is no thing holding you back. You just have to have the faith to get. And it's so very polarizing from what I remember very distinctly being on the other side of that wall going, there's no option. There is no way to get out of this. There is no freedom. And there's just, there's also no way to do that. Cause I could talk to my younger self today. I still don't know the words, right? I still don't know what to say that would have made him feel free other than, oh, I love her and she's going to go without me. I should probably get on this. It's really interesting to have come so far away and some so full circle, I guess, and, and know that it's there, but also still not know how to talk about it. And I actually blog less now. I don't need the therapy, I guess. I probably still need the therapy very deeply. Uh, but I also just don't know the words, right? I don't know I don't know what to say to those people. I don't know what to say to me 10 years ago. I, I think I too, known. like you guys are really good about posting on Instagram and sharing kind of your day-to-day realities. And maybe that's a d- another form of blogging just in a different way. So I think it is. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a little less wordy, which it was pretty bad <laughs> before, as you'll attest. And now I think it's it's more just a photo album. It's a great way for us to look back and remember how far we've come, right? And to, to kind of remember, it, we look back over the last couple of years. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem like our life, like, right? Like we're looking at photos that are all blue. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is not Turquoise, is, yeah. What, what I think is really beautiful about our journey that I think is super relevant for other people is that we didn't know 10 years ago that we would be where we are right now today. We knew 10 years ago where we wanted to be in a year. And then after that year was over, we were like, where do we want to be for the next six months or a year or two years or whatever? And so we constantly checked in with each other and it's been evolution. It's been change. It's been different than what we expected. And I think that other people could really benefit if if that felt right for them to also just say, okay, where do I want to be in six months? Where do I want to be in a year? Because sometimes five years, 10 years, those goals are like, they're beautiful because you can think so big. Like I want, this is what I want to do. And I definitely want to achieve this, or I want to go here. But it's also really hard to kind of bridge that gap of where I am today, where I want to be in five years. But if you just take those baby steps, reevaluate in the moment, continually ask yourself, like, am I feeling fulfilled? Am I am I on the right path? Is some is there something I want to be doing instead? And just going after that, I think there's something really sweet about that. Absolutely. I think I wanted to just say thank you guys so much for coming on this podcast. And I think that those life lessons gained over a more than a decade of experience definitely probably will resonate with a lot of people. So thank you so much for sharing all your story with me. You're amazing, Ash. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, the listeners. And also, where can people find you if they're interested in uh, Zen Vans or in your sailing journey? Yeah, I mean, our personal stories, we still have the blog. We occasionally get back there, but it is not as frequently visited. But it was just the dangers with the Z at the end dot com. Now Instagram's probably the most current, which is the dangers as well, at the dangers with a Z. Um, And then Zen Bands is oddly turned from a passion project into a real business. And so that's just zenbands.com with a Z on both the front and the back. And be very clear, uh, if you tune into any of those channels, we still have no idea what we're doing. There there is no, there's no good answer here. Um, We've just, I think, both together grown into a comfort of, of not knowing and being comfortable. We're we're mostly just a really bad influence, I think. Nonsense. I think you're a good influence. (laughs) And you're very sweet. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And enjoy the rest of the expo and best wishes on your next sailing adventure. And uh, yeah, all the Overland Journal podcast listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you next time.